Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Today's guest, he's back, the Tan Man, at Really Tan Man on Twitter. He came on at the beginning of the year and dropped an absolute bombshell on us. He's the, he's the seed oil man. He's the one that uh, woke a lot of people up. I think a lot were already awake, but not as awake as they were after listening to the Tan Man. But then he also, we got him ripping on, on everything, sunning your balls, of course and uh, sun cream, another thing, and uh, loads more. And this one, we go deeper into different subjects, but then we talk about the product that he's released, the tortilla chip, that he has quit his 250 grand a year tech job for to, to do this with two of his buddies after a drunken night out one New Year's Eve in Miami to create a original tortilla chip fried in beef tallow for you plebs to enjoy and he's got a 10% discount for you and he will accept Bitcoin via his own note so you know he's down the rabbit hole too enjoy the app before we get there make sure you're stacking those sats swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten coin corner out of the UK have you covered as well relay.ch forward slash bitten all brilliant companies and there's new releases coming out of Relay and Coin Corner are just dropping news all the time. So keep an eye on all of these companies. Use a CoinJoin service if you haven't, because it's a pretty interesting little ride. I've been enjoying the educational rabbit hole there. I've been messing around with wasabiwallet.io. Very easy to download on your desktop and run some Satoshis through. Check out the service, see if you like it. If it's something you want to continue learning about, ping me a message. Uh, I've, yeah, I've been impressed. Let's put it that way. Then move those coins on to a hardware wallet or a signing device. You can check out shipcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and get 5% discount on the Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only edition hardware wallet. Excellent Swiss Bitcoin company. And get to meet some Bitcoiners. By the way, there's a new thing coming. It's called Orange Pill App. That's all I'm going to say. But if you want to get to a conference, like I say, Amsterdam, probably a bit too late for you as this drops. But get to next year's one. Liberty in Our Lifetime is going to be end of October, 21st, 23rd of October in Prague. Put on by the Free Cities Foundation, talking about parallel structures. Pacific Bitcoin is going to be in November. Hit these links, guys. All the information is there with a list of speakers, the lot, and the code. The code that will get you discounts. So you can get to these conferences, little money off, and go and hang out with some Bitcoiners. Get yourself a book or a friend of yours a book or a family member a book in their language. Go to Consensus Network, use the code BITTEN, and pay via the Lightning Network. You'll get 10% off each time. And Ungovernable Misfits have you covered for a nice bit of streetwear and merch. You can use the code BITTEN for a 10% discount there. I really hope you enjoy the show with the Tan Man. It's great to have him back on the show, and I hope he's falling further and further down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. 
Let's do it. All right, we're back, brother. The really tan man. How are you doing? Great. Good to be here again. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I I, I got a killer tan this year. Really? Nice. Yeah, no, you, you look you look it. I remember last time we spoke, it was in the spring. It was in the early spring, so the sun was just peeking out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you'll be, you'll be pleased to know we, we were pretty much on the, I don't think we'd put sun cream on for many years anyway, uh, but... You know, it's nice to speak to somebody that just backs up that claim. Yeah. Uh, bro science aside, you know, I think us in the Bitcoin space, we, we all love a bit of bro science anyway. Well, did you did you burn? That's the test, right? No, no, not really. Not that you, what you'd say a burn. I mean, obviously yeah. that first few weeks that the sun yeah, starts really hit. It happens to me, it happens to everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. natural. But right. we get we get sold on the fact that Oh my God, there's no ozone layer. Look how red you've gone straight away. Just because yeah. you saw a bit of sun, you've got to put on the cream. You've got to go and get your skin tested. You're all going to die. It's yeah. such nonsense. It is. I think the ozone layer is crazy too, because like it's actually recovered. So like there was a problem in the 80s with the ozone layer. But if you like look this up, um, ozone is naturally produced uh, for some chemical reaction. I think like when the sun oxidizes certain oxygen molecules or whatever, UV light uh, does that in the upper atmosphere. So it replenishes itself. And the ozone is back to like, I think 85% or 90% of its like pre-1980 levels. So like the difference in ozone between now and like antiquity is very minimal. Well, we've moved well on from that grift of scaring everybody. Like that that yeah. was decades old, right? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Damn, was that an 80s or 90s narrative? 90s, I probably think. Uh, and of course, it was the... It was over. It was the worst over Australia and New Zealand, if I remember. That's what we were being told. Like yeah. the size of the Antarctic or something—a hole in the ozone layer, the size of the Antarctic over yeah, one specific. That. Is that, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a bit before my time, but I do know that it's like recovered a lot. So it's like I don't know. They the the, the severity of these issues it cycles, you know, onto the next one. Well, onto the next catastrophe, of course. You've yeah. got to keep that that fear mongering meal you know, yeah. turning at full yeah. speed at all times. Yeah, yeah, you can't get too used to a certain catastrophe. Otherwise, it starts to seem less scary. <laughs> <laughs> so last time we spoke, uh, there was there was great response to the episode. So thanks for, for coming on in the first place because I reached out and I think we'd had it organized in one afternoon and uh, yeah. you, you were kind of like surprised that the Bitcoin community would have any kind of interest in, in what you were trying to, you know, get out there the message you were trying to spread. But as you know, we're very big uh, seed oil disrespecters. Mm -hmm. We are very big sun cream disrespecters. Uh, there's a lot going on in the space with regards to health, whether that is you're trying a full-on, full-meat-only diet or whether you are going to a completely plant-based diet. You know, it's all going on. You know, everything and everything in between, right? Vegan so, Bitcoiners, that's, uh, that's new to me. <laughs> yeah, they, they exist, brother. They are certainly <laughs> out there. Uh, they, they're definitely lesser in number compared to the, the carnivore or the keto guys or the... Yeah. Um, the fasting ones now uh, as well uh, are all coming out with uh, with their ideas around um, health and gut mm -hmm. health and, and whatever else. But obviously, you know, bodies are so different. You're going to react to a completely different way to somebody else. Yeah. 
what what have you been testing since we last spoke? What have you been doing? And then we're going to talk about yeah. your, your your business that you've launched. Um, I'm really looking forward to trying these, by the way. Yeah. Uh, oh, there, so... there, there are some technical difficulties with customs and duties and shipping, but I've, I've succeeded and I've made it through the other side. And now I know how to ship things to Europe. So your package is on the way. All right, love there, it. Like, well, we can talk about that yeah, as well because we love a, a big, a big uh, entrepreneur struggle story. Um, okay, yeah. so yeah, what have you been up? What have you been up to, man? Um, so dietarily wise, what I've been up to is trying to uh, actually stop intermittent fasting and eat more carbohydrates. Believe it or not. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so All there right, was. A- I can I can feel the triggering intensifying as we. Okay. So I've I mean I I've done keto back in the days when it was like first cool. Um, I was intermittent fasting starting I don't know it must have been like 2015 back in those days with the the cold showers and intermittent fasting people were first becoming popular. Um, and my big thing I've always had gut problems like I would just not be able to fully digest my food. Um. And so it actually tends to be a more common problem that guys have compared before to girls. We, before we wash over yeah. that, for anybody yeah. that's listening that, that might think they have gut problems, what were your symptoms? What was happening? What, what woke you up? Yeah. What was the red flag? So um, not being hungry when, like, you know, at appropriate mealtime. So, like, when you wake up in the morning, you should be hungry. At lunchtime, you should be hungry. At dinner time, you should be hungry. Um, like, there's a certain nausea that, like, might prevent you from being hungry. So that's a big red flag. Um, the consistency of your poop actually is like the the easiest indicator um it's like it's like the goldilocks point right it should not be too difficult like you shouldn't be too constipated and it shouldn't be too easy like you shouldn't have diarrhea like it shouldn't be too hard it shouldn't be too soft um you shouldn't have gas like basically the proper digestive system is one that you don't notice ever hmm. um other than like twice or three times a day you just go to the bathroom and it's easy it takes two minutes and that's it if you're noticing your digestive system there's probably an issue with it, right? Because what are you noticing? You're noticing gas, you're noticing bloating, you're noticing nausea, you're noticing some discomfort. You don't, with the digestive system, you don't really notice it functioning well. That's kind of the definition. When it's functioning well, it's functioning in a way that you don't notice. Um, so that's probably like clear things to look for is if like you, you're aware of the presence of your digestive system and not in the sort of like yogi, I'm aware of everything sense, but like you, you're feeling it, it's probably something wrong with it. Um, so I've had that issue. That's been my primary health issue for like years and intermittent fasting never helped me. I did it for years. Like last, this last year, this time I was like not eating breakfast. I was very keto. Um, I wouldn't eat, I would barely eat potatoes. Um, I was just starting, I think to add potatoes back into my diet and it was just very restrictive and it just didn't help. Right. Um, so then I learned a bit more in the past year about like metabolism, um, Basically, people focus on gut health and the microbiome and all these things. Like, that's important. Probiotics, this and that. It was very popular, like, two, two to four years ago with the kombucha and the kefir and the yogurts and all that stuff. But what people don't talk about is the fact that there's a lot of energy required for your digestive system to function. And um, that energy, like, comes from having a high-functioning metabolism. So, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Ray Pete. He's sort of popular in certain esoteric health spheres on the internet. Um, so the type of health people that like drink a lot of raw milk and orange juice and like fruit and they like sugar or they're not afraid of sugar. Um, those people tend to be influenced by Ray Pete. And so, I mean, obviously everything, whatever anyone says, like no one's perfect. Um, partly for the reasons you described and so far as everyone's different, but regardless, um, boosting metabolic functioning 
gives you more energy for your digestive system to do its job. So it's like, it's just more powerful. And that power allows you to digest more food, uh, more varieties of food. And so um, it's something that I think the keto, uh, the diehard keto community often misses, which is the fact that like reduce restricting carbs over a long period of time actually slows your metabolism, hmm. particularly sugar. Um, that would be like fruit, like fruit sugar, like fructose. Um, so that's something they often miss. And so I, I've been experimenting with that a lot for the past year, but I mean, it, you know, it comes and goes, right? Like the other day I had a bit of gas and I was like, I don't feel like eating breakfast. So I didn't, and I felt a lot better. So I think it's like the idea that humans have, is very common, um, especially with like, I guess I want to say like males and like the health and diet space to really like, I want to pick a thing that's perfect and just do that thing every day for and never change. Yeah, you know, it's like that's not how the world works, right? Like your ancestors ate different food in the summer than they did in the winter, uh, at the very least. Um, and I think men have a, a more of a problem understanding this because we more or less are consistent every single day. Whereas like women, they have their period, they have their cycle, so they're familiar with the idea that they don't feel the same every single day. But for men, it's like we wake up, we go to work, same time every day, all day of the year, and so we want our diets to be the same, but it's not so. Um, and so being open to changing, right. Like I'll probably eat fewer carbs over this winter coming up. Um, because that's, you know, carbs are less plentiful in the winter being open to changing what you're doing. Um, and not sticking to like this explicit daily routine, which people love their daily routines. I get it. Um, is, is probably one of the, the best ways to like actually be healthy. It's something to, to deeply consider. So gas, you know, it, it can show itself in several different ways right yeah out of, out of your bum hole listeners yes oh, yeah. we're gonna go there first of all yeah. uh burping uh mm. another and bloating right bloating. Which, right bloating. so so sure. let's talk about bloating because that's probably something people don't necessarily associate with gas because burping mm. and farting yeah it's all funny we can have a laugh and joke and like yeah, yeah got some wind oh that stinks you know blah 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 bloating, bloating. what's going on it, so i mean there's so there's, I guess there's two things. So there's like a gas buildup, right? Um, so whether it comes out or not, it's still there. And sometimes you may feel it, right? Like you can feel, oh, like gas pains. Everyone's familiar with that. And like you try to pass gas, but you can't, um, that feeling. But sometimes you don't even notice it, right? The gas is there. And if you've gotten so used to it or something, um, it's always present and you don't notice it. And okay, the reason why this is happening is because the right bacteria are not in place to digest your food um, that you're that you're eating. And so you might be eating the right food and have the wrong bacteria, or you may have the right bacteria and eating the wrong food, mm -hmm. but the point is there's like a mismatch. Um, and so those bacteria will pro, pro, like produce too much carbon dioxide which or methane, which will build up and like literally just create pressure. Um, it's a similar sort of thing to like, if you ever drink some baking soda, you'll have, you'll just burp, like huge powerful burps. Cause like you're creating all this CO2 in your stomach and it's gotta come out. Um, so that's one aspect of bloating, but the other aspect of bloating is sort of related to this general idea of inflammation. Like when you're inflamed, things get swollen, right? When things are irritated, they get swollen. If you cut your finger and it gets infected, it'll get puffy. Or I, I got, I stepped on a bee, bee the other day and I stung my foot um, and my foot was swollen for like a week because um, the stinger got in there and I couldn't get it out. So that's inflammation. And like we're, we notice it when you see it on your foot or on your finger, but you don't notice it when it's inside your gut. Um, and this is, a, this is a huge problem, actually, because people often think they're fat. When they're not fat, they're just bloated. And there's a big difference. 
And so you'll see people, um, I think especially women are prone to this, like starving themselves, like running on treadmills, doing all the Pilates, doing all these crunches and ab exercises, trying to get rid of that like little bump or whatever it is. And it's like, you're, you're not like, that's not solving the problem. The bump is there because there's just like inflammation in your gut. There's gas tissues are swollen. They track, they, they attract, they draw in water. So they get puffier. Um, it's not about like literal adipose tissue filled with fatty acids, you know, being jiggly. That's not what it is. Um, and so like, it's, it's very important for people to learn to address bloating. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they're trying to be like fitness, like, you know, look better or whatever. It's important to address bloating because that's like the, probably the real cause of your abdominal lack of idealist, lack of ideal ad- abdominal aesthetics, let's put it that way. What is the main cause of bloating and what can people start to do to try well, and fix it? That's just like, that's like asking, how do you be healthy? Right. right. <laughs> it's like the digestive system is so great because like as, as a thing to focus on, because if you can fix your gut health, you can base, you basically fix your entire health. Like in my experience, the gut is probably the most fragile and delicate ecosystem you have in your body. So if you're able to do everything right, such that your gut is okay, chances are everything else is going to be okay. Your skin will be okay. Your energy will be fine. Uh, your fitness will be fine. Your immune system will be fine. Your hormones will be good. Um, would, so, that, would that help you with metabolism as well? Would that? Oh yeah. Well, so, it, so the thing is, it's like, it's a, it's a two way thing, right? Right. So as your gut gets, that's kind of the power of it. It's not like fix your gut and your gut is like this root node of a tree and then everything else falls into place afterward. It's like, yes, fixing the gut helps fix everything else. But at the same time, having a healthy gut is an indicator that everything else is also good. So it's like this back and forth. So that's why I think focusing on the gut is useful. If you understand that it's not that fixing the gut fixes everything else. If you understand that it's like this back and forth process. Um, And also it's very, it's very good to focus on gut health because the symptoms are very obvious. Um, Like, how do you really know if your immune system is good, right? You feel fine and then you get sick. I don't like, you know, it's hard to tell. How do you know if your energy is where it should be? Like, how do you measure your energy? Can you feel, oh yeah, I'm a little tired today. I don't know. It, it, it goes up and down, but your gut's very easy. You know, your poop is good. Your gas is good. Or, you know, absence of gas, the bloating is gone. Um, the discomfort is gone. You digest food, you're hungry. You don't have heartburn, all these things. Um, and they're easy to, they're very noticeable. So if you can, if you can sense them and you can sense that they're all in control, then it's, um, it's probably a good indication that everything else is going well. Okay, so let's say someone out there is listening and they've got yeah. a bloating problem or they've got yeah. a, a friend, a yeah. wife, spouse, whatever, girlfriend yeah. that has been complaining about a bloating sure. problem. How did, how did they go around fixing that? Good. Yeah, 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 that's a good question. Yeah, so the long answer, the unhelpful answer is that like it depends. And the short answer is that like there are a few things that commonly people are exposed to that contribute to bloating and gut issues. And I would say the primary one um, is seed and seed products. <laughs> so <laughs> n- not merely seed oils, right? We all know those are bad, but also you have to, you have to realize seed oils still come from seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, they come from nuts. They come from seeds. 
and different seeds have differing concentrations of seed oils. Um, and it's not just the seed oils that are problematic in seeds. There's a whole host of other, you know, nutritional chemicals that are in seeds, such as phytic acid, often called phytates, lectins, um, which are very common, like legumes, like, you know, beans and peas and stuff. Um, there's a lot of phytoestrogens commonly in seeds um, and more. There, there are good books about this. There's one I have over here called, I believe, The Plant Paradox that talks about lectins. This guy, Stephen Gundry. Um, Stephen who, sorry? Stephen Gundry. Stephen Gundry, G-U-N-D-R-Y. Okay. Plant Paradox. Yeah, Plant it talks paradox. about um, lectins in particular. But there are a lot of... Um, you know, and this is where the you get the carnivore diet people. They're like, they realize that, oh, hey, there's all these toxic stuff, or all these toxic like substances in plants. Um, so I'm just not going to eat them. That's a whole separate discussion. But seeds in particular are inflammatory uh, in part because nature tries very hard to prevent them from being eaten. All right, like remember in grade school, at least I learned this. Like, oh, what's a fruit, right? Like a fruit, the sweet thing, it entices the squirrel to go eat the fruit. So then it poops out the seeds, you know, about half a mile away and then the, fruit, the the seed grows right that only works if the seed passes through the digestive system intact um and so obviously with seeds that we eat like pumpkin seeds or nuts that people eat they chew them so you know they're breaking it all down so all the stuff inside the seeds gets exposed anyway i could go on and on about what's the bad stuff in seeds seeds are problematic um obviously some are worse than others you know sprouting is very popular Soaking, sprouting nuts, that's a thing. I don't know if you've heard of this. No. Um, yeah, so people will, um, you'll soak, like, you know, say a cashew or an almond, you'll soak it in water first before you eat it. Mm. Um, it's also called sprouting. The idea is that, like, when you plant a seed in the dirt, the water activates it to start germinating and sprouting, literally, so it starts to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and that process, the thinking goes, um, activate some of the nutrients and disable some of the anti-nutrients that are inflammatory. And so they're mm. more digestible. That's okay. the thinking. I think they're more digestible, but I don't think they're perfect. Um, the other thing to look at is tradition, right? Like there are some seeds that have been eaten by cultures for many centuries. Um, grains being a very good example of this, um, like wheat, corn, rice, mm -hmm. and they've been bred mostly to be less inflammatory. And they're also prepared in ways traditional ways that make them more digestible. So you don't just eat a bunch of wheat, you grind it up and sourdough ferment it to make bread. And then you eat that, right? You don't just eat a bunch of corn and we can talk more about this later. You grind it up and boil it with like basically limestone, which is called nixtamalization. The Aztecs invented this 3000 years ago. Um, and that process makes corn more digestible. You know, it's only modern people that are just eating seeds and nuts by the handful. This is like, and thanks in part to the paleo diet that became very popular, you know, like 10, 15 years ago. Hmm. It said like, you know, grains are bad, but seeds are somehow okay. Dude, like if grains are bad, grains are the ones that we've been cultivating and like domesticating to be more digestible for thousands of years. If any seeds are okay, it would be the grains. The seeds, like the pumpkin seeds or the nuts or whatever that are like wild or those are like the, you know, the natural things, the, the, un, the unadulterated, the natural toxic substances that humans have not actually modified to be more digestible. Um, so yeah, anyway, nuts and oh. seeds are problematic. It's a whole, it's a whole rabbit hole, but I, I got yeah. a, I got a personal question to throw at you because yeah. the, the region in which we live here in France, 
we are surrounded by walnut trees, walnut groves everywhere. And it's about time, you know, we're coming to season and everybody gets uh, a nice big uh, kilo of fresh walnuts straight off the tree. And um, you make the whatever you want from it. I I just like to eat them raw. People make cakes mm-hmm. and whatever. It, there's a whole thing, right? Yeah. You, yeah there's exactly. even walnut oil and whatever else. So yeah, I'm embracing myself for you to tell me that that's probably a bad idea. Well, so you know, all all in context, right? So I personally can't eat walnuts. They make my mouth itch, like sort of all right peanut type allergy reaction. Um, same thing with pecans. So they're they're tree nuts. I can't really eat tree nuts. Um, it is what it is. I'm more sensitive to them. Um, you may not be, right? That's the other thing. And so what is the other thing you mentioned? Season, right? Walnuts are in season. I'm going to eat them and then I'm not going to eat them mm-hmm. after that. That's right. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the dose, Between now right? and Christmas is pretty right. much it. Yeah. Right. So if you like, so I'm going to eat chestnuts. I love chestnuts. It also happens to be the case, and I know this, that chestnuts are very low in PUFAs, which are the seed oil, you know, that's the seed oil, PUFAs, you know, being the fatty acids that are in seed oils that we don't like. Chestnuts are very low in PUFAs, uh, which makes them more digestible than say, um, you know, soybeans or something, which are very high in PUFAs. Uh, I love chestnuts, I'm gonna eat them, but I'll eat them like three or four times, then I won't eat them for another year. Um, I think the, the issue we get is, you know, so eating your local fresh walnuts in your traditional recipe for like a month, is very different from, you know, okay, let's think about the conventional way people engage with seeds. They may have their pea protein powder, which is just like very trash, you know, agricultural waste products ground up in protein extracted with solvents. And they like put that in their protein smoothie every day. Um, they'll eat handfuls of trail mix with like unsoaked, unsprouted cashews. And, you know, different nuts are, are more or less digestible. Like cashews are particularly bad, whereas almonds are like, okay. Um, hmm. then they'll go drink their glass of almond milk, you know, like I said, more nuts. Right. And then they'll put their lentils, you know, in their meal at dinner, you know, um, and they have, uh, and they eat their bread and maybe they'll eat lentils with rice, two different types of seeds, you know? Um, and they're probably cooking all of these in a way that's not very traditional, right? Like I said, there are these methods, whether it's sourdough bread or whether it's nixtamalization or, or others, uh, the sprouting that various cultures have used when they eat seeds. They'll even do it without using any of those. So they're getting the full on, you know, like power, you know, negative dark power of the seeds. Um, So, you know, it's, it's all a context thing, right? You know, do we, health is another thing that people get hung up on with health. It's like, oh, that's bad for you. And they're going to stress out about it. You know, it's really bad. And this is the perfect transition to the next point in the gut health thing. Stress is the second worst thing, whatever, maybe it's the worst thing. I don't know. Stress is another big problem for gut health. And so because cortisol like increases inflammation, when you're more stressed out, you get, you know, often people observe this, they get puffier, right? The people with their desk jobs who commute to the city and stare at the fluorescent lights, like it's very hard for you to be lean, even if you work out and eat right, just because cortisol makes you puffy. You take in more salt, all these other things. Um, and it's a common misconception that stress is only like emotional or like, you know, work, phone calls, whatever. Um, it's also, you know, environmental, right? So you can have blue light, you know, at nighttime being a stressor, you can have EMFs from your cell towers being a stressor. Um, you could have, you know, whatever the toxins, like the pesticides and the food being a stressor. Um, you could have, you're watching stressful movies, right? 
what if you're like playing video games all the time? And it's like, you know, constant adrenaline and constant cortisol, right? Um, so chronic stress is a huge problem because um, in the general like sort of evolutionary explanation for this is that when you're stressed out, something's wrong. There's a danger that you then, a short-term danger that you then fight to overcome. And then the danger goes away and then the stress goes away. And then, so it, it's periods of low stress punctuated by brief but intense periods of high stress. That's like the human evolved way of dealing with stress. But the modern way of dealing with stress is like constant, like moderate grade stress all the time with mm. no break from it. Um, and, and so the that's- And the way people like to deal with stress is to treat themselves with some kind of food. Often, the, yeah. Yeah. You know? And then you end up overeating. So you yeah. get those patterns. Those are huge issues. Absolutely. And oftentimes the food they eat is stress inducing, right? PUFAs like the seed oils increase cortisol. Like it's, it's literally a stressor um, and they lower metabolism. So, so the other thing with stress too, a few more interesting things about stress is that uh, when you're stressed out, you're running from the lion, you're fighting the neighboring tribe, whatever, like your body's not focused on digestion, right? Like it's putting, it's diverting all the energy elsewhere. Like your body has a finite amount of energy that it can produce um, per you know unit of time. And so it will divert energy to those functions that are more important to deal with the present scenario. So if it's fighting, you know, energy is going to my muscles and to like my eyes and my brain, it's not going to my um, digestive system because that's not important, right? We can digest the food later. We have to kill off, we have to fight off the attacker right now. Um, and this is one of the reasons why the biohacking, uh, productivity, money, Twitter type people love intermittent fasting. Because fasting is actually stressful. Um, it releases a lot of cortisol. But what does that do? It goes, it goes to your brain, right? For the exact reason, when you're stressed out, your brain gets hyperactive. So if you are someone who uses your brain a lot um, in your business, you're writing emails, whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to enjoy the feeling of being stressed out because it'll make your brain more powerful. And so you'll gravitate toward this intermittent fasting type thing. Man, it's so interesting. All right, so... Yeah. PUFAs, uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids, right? Correct. Just, yep. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're the enemy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, once again, all in context, but, you know, they should not make up, they, they never made up more than one to 2% of the fat content of traditional diets. So PUFAs above one to 2% are problematic in mm -hmm. most contexts. And will right? show up in an inflammatory kind of way within yeah. your, your, your body anywhere, right? That, that inflammatory is likely to show up in your gut, but it could show up anywhere at to, yeah, you know, down to the cellular level. Yeah. You know, so one of the things, um, your cell membranes are made of fats, right? So all your cells, the, the membrane made of lipids. And so the fatty acids that you eat get dispersed everywhere into your body and they become part of the fats that make up your body. So they can become part of your cell membranes. That's how you get your sunburn, right? Because like the cell membranes in your skin and below your skin, you have this fatty acids that are uh, subject to oxidation. And so when the sun hits them, they break apart and then you have inflammation in your cells get irritated and you have sunburn. Um, this can occur elsewhere too, right? In your body fat itself, uh, like in the actual fat storage. Um, but you can have, your brain is full of fat too. And so many people uh, claim that Alzheimer's is just poof overload in the brain. Mm. right so much fat got stuck in there that's like so much unsaturated fat got stuck in there start oxidizing and it fills your brain up with junk and then your brain can't function anymore 
um, yeah, liver, this fatty, link, liver, fatty liver this disease. Fatty liver disease. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. So like your liver gets full of oxidate oxidized seed, seed oils, um, and so now your liver can't function anymore. And they used to think just alcoholics got it, but mm. now there are kids being born with it. And some people like to play it off as being caused by sugar, but that's not really the case. Um, it's the poofas. So there's a link to diabetes right there. Yeah, yeah, because insulin resistance. Right, but people just like diabetes, sugar, yay, mm. we've sold it. No, you're saying no, man. There's other shit going on. Yeah, not at all. So, and there's a great lecture, um, I believe, by Doctor Michael Eads, E A D E S, on YouTube that explains this very well. Um, anyone who's interested in PUFAs or ketogenic diets or health, whatever, any of this should definitely watch that lecture. Um, and he explains how PUFAs cause insulin resistance. And the summary reason is that, um, I don't know how complicated I want to get here. Let me try to think about this. Basically <laughs> like your cells, each cell has its own appetite for energy. And when it's hungry, it needs more energy. It sends out hunger hormones. And when it's full, it sends out you know, it stops sending those out and then they, they send out, you know, I'm full of hormones. So stop feeding me. Um, so fat is very calorie dense. It's very energy dense. So if you give a cell fat, it will after a short while say, okay, I'm full. I have my energy. No more. Um, if you give a cell sugar though, sugar is less energy dense, like less energy per gram or whatever. So particularly glucose, if you give a cell glucose, it won't ever tell you to stop feeding it. It'll say, oh yeah, give me more. That stuff's good. Um, that's just the, and the chemistry is all described in this video for those people mm -hmm. that are interested, like, Oh, how does the cell now? Just watch the video. Um, the problem with PUFAs is that they are of just as energy dense as any other fat. So very energy dense, but the cell interprets them from a hunger perspective in the same way that it interprets glucose. Meaning if you feed a cell PUFAs, it won't tell you to stop. Mm -hmm because it's like, it thinks that it's getting sugar, which is less calorie dense and it wants more of it, but it's actually getting fat, which is very calorie dense. So you can see how this is a problem because you're getting this calorie dense thing, but your cells never telling you to stop. And the study, um, one of the studies that he talks about, you know, in this part of the lecture is how, when they, they some people, like some scientists fed some kids like carbs plus fat, and they just said, eat as much as you want, and, you know, until you're full. And so when the fat was a saturated fat, like butter, the kids ate like 300 fewer calories or something compared to when the fat was a uh, um, PUFA, like a canola oil or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Um, so like, it makes you want to eat more because it stops you from being hungry. Um, so, you know, the PUFAs are bad on so many levels, right? Cause like, obviously you're eating this toxic thing, but at the same time, you want to even eat, you eat more of it because your body's natural, you know, hunger, satiation hormones aren't triggered. So you get, that's where you get your insulin resistance too, because the insulin is, is involved in the regulation of how much energy cells will take in, how hungry you'll be and all that stuff. So that's where you get the insulin resistance. And that's when you get the obesity because people are just going to keep eating more of it. So they're just so bad on so many levels. <laughs> it's really kind of shocking. <laughs> so if we, if we get back to some more like actionable points, that person that's sitting there feeling bloated, what's the, yeah. okay. what, what, what would be, I okay, cut out as many seeds as possible. Um, in particular, non-traditionally prepared seeds. So like, you know, the, the, the pea protein powders, the weird lentils, whatever, like maybe you can keep your sourdough bread, especially if you're in Europe um, where bread is, you know, high quality. 
Um, maybe you can keep your rice. Maybe you can keep your corn if it's properly mixed and lives. Um, like stick more so to the grains that are like, you know, traditional to your culture. Um, so if your listeners are South American or whatever, they might want to eat more quinoa or something. Um, so yeah, but cut out as many seeds as you possibly, like nuts and seeds as you possibly can. If you're going to have them, have like grains traditionally prepared, um, high quality and limited quantities. And, you know, this sounds trivial, but it's a lot more complicated than it is because seeds are snuck into everything. So you really right. have to be vigilant, you know, whether it's ingredients that come from seeds in packaged foods or in meals that you might not think contain seeds, but actually do. Uh, beans, you know, whatever, nuts, like legumes, all those things. So cut those out. That's probably the, the chief dietary measure. And then the second thing would be to so try solving stress, try fixing stress in all the ways that you can. And that's a whole other complicated discussion on its own. But pragmatically speaking, that would mean um, getting those red, like blue light blocking glasses, like the red, they look like red sunglasses, wear them at night, go to bed, you know, early and on time, like stop engaging in like super stressful activities, whether it's like playing a ton of violent video games or watching scary movies all the time, um, go for more walks, like relaxed walking, um, depending on the type of exercise you do. If you do like a sort of a lot of like very intensive cardio, you might want to cut that out because that's very stress inducing or like limit it. Um, this, oh, this is why a lot of people say weightlifting is better than like long distance running. Mm-hmm. If you're going to run, you should probably be sprinting. Um, but some people like the mental exercise of running. So, you know, they can do what they want. I'm just saying, if you want to reduce stress, this is what you would consider. Um, you know, just worrying in general, like the whole, I don't know, a lot of people are very stressed out because, oh, you know, the government, this, the, 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 this entity, that, yeah, we don't need to get into clown, the clown world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. You know, I, so my friend Rob Henderson, um, is on Twitter, uh, he's like a psychology guy and he was posting the other day some study about how like people on Twitter, regardless of if they got, I forget what it was outraged or not, they all became more unhappy and like more miserable just by being like everyone who's on Twitter becomes less happy the longer they spend on Twitter. Um, so yeah, really reading the news and obsessing over that, like that's really, really bad. That's probably one of the biggest sources of stress that I could imagine for, you know, your type of listeners um, who are very up to date on certain things that are out of their control. Very problematic, right? You know, the things that you can't control are going to do what they're going to do anyway. And if you ever even have a hope of doing anything about it, like that ability to do something about it requires you to be operating in peak performance and being stressed out and miserable and feeling overwhelmed and unhappy because you're reading the news about what your enemies are doing inhibits you from being able to fight them. So you know, if you're going to just sit there glued to the screen all day, like, you know, reading about how they're taking over the world, then you're not going to stop it at all. And if you stop reading and engaging at all, at the very least, you know, they'll take over the world, but you'll be happy about it. You'll be happy until it happens. But at best, you'll be able to fight back more effectively. Um, so limiting like the news, um, very, very important uh, to reduce stress. I mean, money as well right like your job your boss you work 10 hours a day obviously fix that but at the same time if you go to be an entrepreneur your life will probably get more stressful (laughs) so (laughs) it's not really you know that's that's not really a clear solution that's not so easy um yeah i mean i i did 
try trading, uh, not Bitcoin, crypto. I, I know <laughs> well apprised of the distinction. About a year and a half ago, I was into like before the big crash and like what was it, April or May 2021? I was like watching markets and like trying to trade options on my FTX account with a VPN. Um, and it was just so like it didn't work, first of all. And like I was just so miserable the whole time, but I was like you know, on the screen, like glued to it, like heart pounding, like constantly, like that's, that's not, that's not good. Um, so I don't know, you know, rethink the way that you're engaging with like the activities that you're doing. Maybe if you want to keep trading or whatever it is that you're doing, maybe like not high, like manual high frequency trading or whatever it is, swing trading, but like longer term value investing might be a thing for you to do. I don't know. That's, I'm not an expert on this, but, um, what those, uh, those things would? What what you mentioned um, a few things earlier, uh, kefir and probiotics and things like that. What's your stand on those things right now? I don't think they're uh, as helpful as people make them out to be. Um, the proper bacteria will find their ways. Will like the bacteria will adjust in response to how you eat and what your hormones are. And so as long as you eat correctly over time, bacteria will asymptotically approach the right orientation. Um, I think they could be helpful um, in limited therapeutic cases, right? Like for a week, I need a reset or I need to like get on the right track. So I'm going to have some of this stuff. Um, but I don't think a chronic usage is appropriate for, you know, reasonably healthy people. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're not reasonably healthy and you want to do a targeted usage, I suggest finding someone who like actually knows what they're talking about in regard to what bacteria are good and whatnot. Um, and I would probably have a preference for the natural versions, um, such as a kefir or a yogurt, um, but also eaten in quantities that are like traditionally consistent. Right. right. I don't know that um, like people in Japan or wherever kombucha is purported to have come from were like chugging like a gallon of it a day or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's a bit overblown, but they can be useful in like limited quantities, basically. <clears throat> what are you fiddling with? Because the the, the mic is picking that up. Oh, so if you've got bad. a pen or something. Uh... My watch. I should stop doing that. I <laughs> see stress, right? You, there you um, go. You, you, you're stressful. You're a highly strong motherfucker. You need. Yeah, uh, no, this you, is true. You need some so... more sunlight on your balls to calm <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's starting to be fall. I had to come inside because it was like raining. I was literally outside ready to go for this podcast. That I had so to, like, what, what did, ha, this is a good, good subject right here because I feel it now. It's middle of September. I think it was officially the first day of autumn or something. And it's just mm. like, oh, man, I just I am really my wife feels it, too. I just can't be fucked with another winter. Like I just, yeah. you know, this this darkness, this cold. Um, yeah, you switch your eating habits. That can be quite interesting. And, you know, you, you switch from uh, barbecued meats and uh, yeah. you know, a, a side salad or something to you know, like a hearty stew or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that, that's kind of fun. It gets boring pretty quickly. How yeah. do you deal with that mentally when you, there's less sunlight around? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think one of the challenges here is that we have an expectation that we should be operating at like a high energetic, vibrant level when we shouldn't be right. Like in my limited understanding of, you know, anthropology or anthropological history, 
Cubans were not doing very much over the winter, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I watched a lot of um, like Roman military history videos on YouTube. And it's always very interesting when it talks about like, oh yeah, Caesar in France or whatever for like 10 years. And it's like, oh yeah, this, this, this year, they went to this campaign, they did this in the spring and then blah, blah, blah. They fought these people, this, they fought those people then. And then, you know, in October, they encamped for the winter. And that was it. The campaign season. That's what they call it. It's like the seat, like the sports season. The, the season. season of like the warfare <laughs> season is over for the year. And they just like parked themselves in Switzerland, like from October to March. And like, like the narrative just stops. <laughs> and then like nothing happens until next, you know, March when the Belgians are uprising, you know? Um, so obviously it's not very conclusive and like further study would be very interesting. Um, but from what I can tell, people kind of just did nothing. Like, not nothing, but like fall, the harvest was done, vegetables are picked, the root cellar is full of potatoes, the grain cellar is stocked with wheat, right? Our cheese is in the cheese um, in the caves. Our cows are eating the hay that's in the barn, but they're not really producing much milk because it's the winter and cows don't produce much milk in the winter. Um, chickens aren't producing eggs. Right. Maybe we have some like dried, like salted pork, like some meat or whatever um, that we somehow preserve, like a lot of sausages that were preserved from the pig that we slaughtered. Because that was another thing Europeans did. They would slaughter their pig in like the autumn and they would that would keep the family in pork for the for the winter. Um, And they would just like, you know, there's nothing to do in the fields. They're covered in snow. Right. If you're an agricultural, what do you do over the winter? Like nothing. Right. Maybe you fix your tools um, by candlelight or something for a few hours a day. And you hang out with your family. So I think while the way that you live in the summer and how you eat and how, you know, you exercise will have positive effects no matter the time of year, the expectation that you will feel as good in the winter as you will in the summer, I think is a false one. Mm -hmm. Um, If, you know, and, and I'm not saying you have to go do nothing for six months. Obviously the modern world doesn't require that, but unless you go move to a warmer place for three months or whatever it is, there's probably not a really good way of getting that summer vibrance yep. in, in your life. That's the thing coming back to, we are a nomadic species, right? And if you were not tied to that desk, this is the problem. This is why people get so depressed during the wintertime because yeah. you still got to work that 10 hours a day. Oh, you yeah. still got to make that sale. You still got to yeah. make those 50 phone calls a day. Right. <clears throat> Regardless of the weather outside. And, you know, now all of a sudden you're getting up each morning and it's pitch black rather than oh, the sun rising. Miserable. And then when you leave the when you leave the, the office at the end of the day, you walk outside and it's pitch black and you're like, oh, fuck. And then you get into this routine where the only sun, the only time you see your house in the sunlight mm-hmm. is at the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Like two hours. It's just know. weird. Yeah. And it's like, especially in Europe, they're much more northern latitudes. So you, you have even mm-hmm. worse problem than Americans do, even if Americans live north relative to America. And it's like you, you're like, if you were allowed to do the medieval farmer of like nothing for three months, you might be all right. Cause like your energy is lower, but the expectation is lower. Mm-hmm. So I think the issue that you're describing and the, the general problem is that the expectation remains high when the energy is low. Mm-hmm. And so the only two options, right, are to either lower the expectation or to adjust your life such that the energy can remain high. Yeah. And without like, I think the sauna 
the and it's very interesting how sauna culture developed in northern europe i think saunas have a big role to play in this because saunas increase like boost your metabolism and they can keep like the fire going like literally um so unless you like move to a warmer place like say yeah if it's in the winter and you have to stay there and you want to keep your expectations high what you might do then is you might get red light you know the red light panels that you see um you could go to a tanning salon or get like uv lamps right they have this like for people with sad quote-unquote seasonal affective disorder you yeah. get like a uv lamp even not if it's not on your full body just the light is helpful yeah not sudden uh, adult death syndrome which is no a, no different yeah. kind of stat <laughs> it's all both sad but they're, they're one's sad. sadder than the other yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it's interesting about the sauna actually um yeah. because you're going to piss off the, the the ice bath gang right now uh oh, yeah. you you've tried both i'm guessing or do you mix do you go from ice bath to sauna to ice bath oh, I mean, this I, is I've very traditional to... in japan right they, yeah you know, no i've been to like a spas in montreal that have this it's like the sauna right next to like the freezing river that's like below freezing because it's moving so quickly and like you walk into the river and you're like i Hey, yep. Hang on. We we we've been interrupted, ladies and gentlemen, from from Lauren, who uh is she she come back to see the really tan man and throw another question at him. Sorry, she was not nice. here at the beginning, but uh, uh right here we go. This is <laughs> what what you do? have you got your question? Yes, it's like there. Okay. How do they hide seed oils and seed oils in kids' food? How, how what's the first one? How did I what? How do they um hide seed oils in kids' food? How do they hide them? Um, so most people don't know the names of every individual seed oil, and so I that's probably the easiest one. I if that's if that's the question. If the question is like like why do they? Well, are, are they evil? I think that if the question is mechanically or logistically how they do it, um, there are like thirteen or like thirteen, twelve different name different types of seed oils. And so unless someone has memorized all of them, you wouldn't necessarily know, right? It's very, if you know canola oil is bad, but it says sunflower oil, then you're like, oh, it has sunflower oil. Um, so that's probably um, that's probably the, the, the chief way that they do it. Um, and then also in foods that have like very long ingredient lists, even if there are seed oils, you don't necessarily read every single one. It's hard to read all that. So you might miss it. Um, does that answer the question? Yes, it does. Cool. Now, I've got a question for you, Lauren. Uh, did you really tan, man? Sorry, I, I interrupted you there. No, no, I was not. Yeah. Um, where do you think, in what uh, kids' food do you think are the most seed oils like hidden or, or put, if you were to have a guess? The only one that I know is sunflower oil. Okay, so where, where do you think you would commonly find sunflower oil? In sunflowers, yes, but in, in what? Uh, in cereals. Yeah, yeah, well, you said it, in cereals. Uh, in breakfast yeah. cereals. It's, it, it, basically, anything that comes in a package, you should assume has it in there. Even candy, right? It's like, how is it there? Why is there even oil in there? Like, what? Yeah, candies. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, even, Chips. even sometimes in chocolate, right? Uh, it, oh, like, absolutely. You know, and then what they, the hell is that thought... doing there? They use soybean, soy lecithin is a common one in chocolate, even if there's no oil, soy lecithin, yep. um, which another topic, but yeah, so, so all of them, but I the chips and the, the snacks, probably like the Doritos and your, you know, goldfish and Cheez-Its and like those kind of things is probably like, that is the most, cause a lot of those are fried. And so when you, fr you fry it, you have even more 
of the oil per amount of snack. Not the goldfish. <laughs> yep, those little yeah. goldfish biscuits. I know, I know. And, and I was I a big fan of Cheez-Its as a kid. Cheez-Its, yeah. I just feel guilty as all hell that we ever let you, well, no, not did we not even let you eat them, but we actively bought them. Mm. I spent money on them and put them in your hands to keep you quiet for five minutes and then couldn't figure mm. out why you went crazy the next hour. Like, you know, it's, it's so basic when you look back at it. But it's, it's like, so normal. That's just like what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, when you, you want to sit down, you have uh, apéro, uh, which is very prevalent here in, in, in France, in Europe. You Five, six o'clock, you sit down, you have a beer or a glass of wine with a few little snacks. Mm-hmm. After work, you know, Spain, perfect example. They're, they're, but Spain do it properly. They have tapas. They have yeah. something that is hopefully cooked not in seed oils, and we'll get onto yeah. this in a second. Maybe olives straight off the tree in some olive oil. Uh, mm-hmm. And you just sit there and you have that with your beer just as you come down from the day. I'm on America. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. A yeah. perfectly shaved piece of Iberico ham and a nice cold beer. That is la vie. You know, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. But if, instead, you want to do it with a bag of Doritos, right? You kids, you love the Doritos or the Lay's chips or whatever else. Salt and vinegar chips. Salt and vinegar. Right. Yeah, there's not many people out there that don't because they've been scientifically manufactured to make you like it. I, I sound like uh, yeah. Mike Myers in um, <laughs> Oh, I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, I hate the colonel. How can you hate the colonel, Dad? Because he puts an addictive chemical in his chicken that makes you crave it fortnightly. That's what they do. <laughs> I remember... Um... Who told me this? I forgot who told me this, but I was at the Bitcoin. Um, I was at the Bitcoin. Uh, the big, the Bedford Bitcoin game thing. Yeah, and I think it was Roger. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was definitely Roger. Um, because he would say something like this. He said, um, because we were eating a pack of chips. He said that you know they make the chips tasty and tasty because you just want to buy more and more and more, and yep. that just makes that. And he said, um, and if you take a thing that you, like, if you take a break from the thing that you mostly like, you want it more often. And it's, like, kind of hard to, like, like stop. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, they're very clever at what they do. And as really Tanman is going to tell us in a, do you want to stick around for this? Because we're going to transition to, he's made some chips. He's, he's now really chip man. He's made his own <laughs> chips that are not made of shit. You have to send them over. He has. Uh, they're on the way. They're, they're, they're on the in way. the air. Yeah. I would love to have been able to do this live with the packet here and a beer, but you forgot to bring me my beer. So at least you got. Lauren, you know it's six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do another one when we can. I'll eat some chips. You can eat some chips. Well, actually, just for the preamble on the. Yeah. Before, when I release the show. I oh, can perfect. do a little taste test and a preamble. Perfect. Also. That's that's perfect. There and all of this will will you know weave its way together for the listener. Uh, right. Okay. Do you want to say goodbye? It's bye. Also, bye. It? Yeah, it's in the it's in the door of the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you got. You, you this is the classic entrepreneur journey, right? You had an itch and you scratched mm. it because yeah. you like you some chips. Who doesn't? 
But you don't want to eat. You don't want to eat that mass-produced, factory-farmed byproduct dog shit. They're so gross too. Like, oh my, like so I corn chips especially. We're like, I love corn chips. I, my mom would always make like she would call it Italian nachos, which I don't know why it's Italian nachos, but she would just put chips down and then put like shredded like various like mozzarella Italian types of cheese and then we eat it with like tomatoes and basil kind of thing and nice. they're just so good like corn chips are just like they're, they're like you can bite into them they're so satisfying the salty the crunchy I never was a big fan of potato chips I'm not saying they're bad but like I never love potato chips as much as I like corn chips it's I think it's also a very American thing and that was the like the last thing I gave up uh cheers <laughs> Um, that was the last health thing that I ever gave up was like corn chips. I would buy these like, albeit organic, like Tostitos, um, like blue corn, but it was like organic canola oil. And I think I was eating those about as recently as like two years ago, I would still eat those. Like I didn't eat anything processed in any other way. I wouldn't go to restaurants for the most part, but I would still eat those because they're just, you know, you can't replace like that chip and guac or chip and salsa, chip and cheese kind of, kind of vibe. But at some point I was like, I have to, I have to stop. I can't do it. And so then I was chipless, you know, for, for yeah. a year or whatever it was. Very sad, um, very sad life. And then at some point, um, I think it was over New Year's, we were in Miami with a few of my friends from college and we were just like, one of them ordered tacos, I don't know, from Chipotle, who knows what. And they were eating the corn chips because everyone was hungry. And they asked if I wanted some, I was like, nah, I'm good like despite loving corn chips and they're like you know making fun of me because they're like oh you know you must be miserable like corn chips are so good what's wrong with you I'm like i don't have anything against corn chips i just have something against those corn chips right and it's 99 percent of all the other corn chips um so you got to talking about like what constitutes a good corn chip or like a perfect corn chip um and i described how you know the corn, of course, has to be. Were you guys drunk as well at this point? Was like no, no. This was no? this is a this is more of a hangover type situation. Oh, okay. So right, yeah. this is where all the best stories begin, right? Yeah. Like in the pub or hungover to fuck, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, this was definitely. I think this was the day after New Year's. I want okay. To um, and we were. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they have to be organic corn, right? Because corn is like the most pesticide crop in America. Maybe right. actually, maybe second to soybeans, but it's terrible. Mm. Um. And so then, of course, the oil that you fry them in, right? Like you can't do seed oils, right? But every single corn chip is seed oils. And it's not even like, oh, sunflower oil. It's like you go to the store and pick them up, at least in America. It's like sunflower and or canola and or safflower oil. It's like they don't even know nope. which oil the robot at the factory chucked into the fryer that day. They're just saying, like, can you, can you believe that and or is like allowed in like the FDA? It's right? unbelievable. Like, and right? in, in Asia, uh, they they do that same with uh, palm oil um, and or peanut. Uh, well, you know, it'll all get mixed. That's crazy because those are very different. At least palm yep. oil is like saturated. Like the thing is that like, it's like they know how equally crappy those oils are. The fact that they can say and or, because like, honestly, the distinction is meaningless. They might as well all be the same thing. It's like they basically are. But it's like, could you imagine if someone said, like maple syrup and or sugar and or honey like you know like what <laughs> like oh it's butter and or olive oil is the fat in this like dude absolutely mm -hmm. not i don't know how that rule ever got allowed anyway point is um all of the corn chips right you can find a potato chip here and there with like avocado oil at least quote unquote avocado oil as you know as you know 
most uh, most avocado oil is laced and fake. Um, oh, but whatever, you can find a potato chip. We'll come back to that. Let, let's keep talking that. about the chips. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I was like, okay, we well, got to fry them in towel, right? You are live very close to Belgium, and I'm sure you've had the fries there, and you know that they are the best fries in the world for a reason. <laughs> it's because they fry them not once but twice in mm-hmm. tallow than they have been for centuries. And I'm sure that there are some more modern fry places that don't, but the best fry places in Belgium, I'm, I'm sure, still use tallow. Um, and that's Do you want to because... explain to the listeners what tallow is in case anybody's yes. scratching their head right now? Sure. So tallow is the fat that comes like, um, it's the pure fat that comes out of the fatty tissue of a cow. Um, just like lard, maybe people are more familiar with lard is pork fat. Tallow is lard, but for pit like cows. So it's cow lard. Basically what you do is you get all the fat. Like when you butcher the animal, you get all the fat together. You put it in a big vat and you like sort of boil it. And then the fat, like the actual like liquid fat separates from the proteins that are left over in the collagen that like in the cell membranes and whatever else. And that all becomes crispy and crumbly and the fat floats to the top and you skim that off. And then it's like, it's basically like olive oil or coconut oil. It's a pure fat. Um, doesn't have any proteins or any other sort of um, substances in it. And it's very highly saturated. It's solid at room temperature. It's white. Um, and because it's very highly saturated, it's traditionally been used for fry because you have to keep it stable at high temperatures for a long period of time. Um, so it is the best fat for frying, like objectively speaking. <laughs> um, like from all, from any, you know, from all perspectives that could possibly evaluate the quality of oil for frying, tallow is the best. Um, and it's been used in that way and it makes the most delicious tasting fried foods. McDonald's French fries famously were fried in tallow up until I believe the nineties, which is pretty late. Um, and Malcolm Gladwell has a pretty interesting podcast from 2017 where he talks about this. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they became so popular. Like they're so good. And so tallow is the proper oil for frying in. And so that's what, you know, corn chips are fried, potatoes chips are fried. That's how you make them. Um, and so in order to fry them well, you'd have to fry them in tallow. And there are no corn chips or were no corn chips. I remember, chips I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I DM'd you from a fish and chip shop in the UK. I was there in August yeah. and I found a place oh, that nice. said on the board, we still deep fry, uh, deep fry our chips and our fish in tallow Excellent. and i couldn't walk past the place i said right kids we gotta yeah. have fish and chips today no and that's it's great so that's different a... that, you know it's uh, i think you're clicking a pen as well um yeah, yeah, yeah no <laughs> we're, we're good and uh it's so different it it's more of a how do i explain it way less greasy less um, greasy way less more, more dry almost crunchy crunchy it's yeah. way more crunchy like the chip yeah. remains uh, the fry or whatever you call them over there like you know the big thick cut potato like mm-hmm. fish and chip style british potato so the outside gets crisped the inside stays fluffy rather than the whole yeah. thing just being like this soggy gap yeah that people obviously hate yeah yeah um and it doesn't it also doesn't smell like mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever been to this is a very american thing like a fair like a carnival with like ferris yep. wheels and like whatever and like you smell the deep fried funnel cakes and all that stuff. It's like, it's repulsively disgusting. Yep. Um, well, just walking past the McDonald's now or something, yeah. you smell it a mile away. You're like, it's so gross. And like when you fry stuff in tallow, which I mean, you may not have actually physically done the frying in tallow, but I did it for the first time 
and I like stuck my nose in there and like it smelled so gentle. It like barely has an aroma. Even after like multiple times of like frying and stuff, it's like it just it doesn't have a stench. And then, you know, I, I've smelled other deep fryers that have the seed oils in them. And it's like, even when it's fresh, it's like disgusting and it smells like a gross obesity fare. Um, so it's so, so different. Um, and, and now that I like am exposed to tallow fried corn tortilla chips, like if I, I smell like a normal tortilla chip, it's like, it's disgusting. Like, and I used to think they were delicious. Like they're just so gross. It's like greasy, the stale greasiness is how I would describe it. Um, even avocado oil chips. Um, I'm not going to name names, but a, a brand just released an avocado oil fried corn tortilla chip. And I bought them, of course, doing my competitive analysis. And it was just, I, I literally couldn't finish one of them. I had to like spit it out and it was just gross. Um, it had the same stale greasiness. So yeah, you got to fry and towel. Absolutely. All right, so you have this hungover conversation, yeah. you and your buddies, and then you come to some kind of epiphany, like, fuck it, I've got to make this. Yeah, we should do it. And so that's what we thought. It was like, you know, in the back of our minds, we went our separate ways. We don't all live in the same place. It was all, you know, a convergence for New Year's. We went home to our lives and we just sort of stuck with, you know, investigating, okay, how do we do this? How do we produce them? You know, making the bags, the design, the art, the naming, all that stuff. And then it just came to a point where we're like, all right, yeah, this is happening. <laughs> um, and so we couldn't find anyone to make it for us. That was probably the first like roadblock that ended up actually turning out to be a very big blessing. Um, no one was going to make it for us. And so we had so who, who were you calling? Who, who were you calling? Oh, for, to, we to hired have that? A, we we got a uh, always a friend of friend so we never actually hired him but like we got a food product consultant who like helps brands launch packaged food products and we we talked to him and his network of people i like searched high and low for food packing places like i asked all my friends who and they said they know food pack so they're called co-packers by the way co-packers co-packers c-o-p-a-c-k-e-r right That's the industry term for like the warehouses that mass produce snacks and other packaged foods that are they're white labeled by some brand. Um, and so I talked to all of them, even ones that specialize in like organic corn and organic chips and all this stuff. And like no one um, was interested. And so we were like, all right, I guess we have to do it ourselves. Um, so the prototype was made about uh, in the spring mm -hmm. of this year on Easter Sunday. Um, and they were delicious. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good um and that was and and then you know that was our recipe so then you know there were further you know businessy type of activities that we had to do such as getting the bags getting all the things together the website the all right we're gonna we get into the we'll, we'll get into the weeds of all of this because the, yeah. the the plebs love listening to this kind of stuff like getting nice. granular where <laughs> did you source the corn and how like it's so not like you I, just roll up to your local farm and say hey guys you you, no, you want I, specific yeah, I searched a while to find um, a supplier from, you know, I, I was considering moving to Texas at the time because, like, there was a tortilla shop that, like, did, that produced a product that we could fry that was, like, good. I was considering doing that. Um, I ended up finding a guy, my mom's idea, honestly, because mm -hmm. I had, you know, whenever I, I get an idea, I'm like, oh, we'll just do this. And so 
I'm just going to go do this, right? Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. It's fine. This is a good idea. And so the idea was like, I'm going to just go move to Texas and do this there, which is like, right. I don't know anyone in Texas. I don't live in Texas. And then I was talking to her on the phone and she was like, well, why don't you just try to find someone who does it close to where you live? <laughs> so I just Googled and I found a guy, talked to him, called him up. Um, that worked. And so it's similar for all for all other ingredients, of which there are only three, by the way. Um, right. So talk to the people, figure out they have a product we want, you know, asked our questions, tried it out, made our prototypes, came out good, um, made it taste good, good, everyone felt good eating it. And so that's how we decided what to do. Um, so the, the corn comes from uh, small farms uh, in the Northeast of America. Nice. Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, upstate New York. Yeah. Were you aware that uh, the, the nickname for Bitcoin is the corn? The corn? Yeah. No, I'd never heard that. Okay, just 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 to let you know, just to let That's you know, that, uh, you know, if if you're buying some Bitcoin, you say, yeah, I'm, I I bought some more corn today. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, there's, there's another right. little angle for you, but uh, uh, anyway, cool. so right, you you get you get you get the corn, you you you, you know, you're getting along the corn, you found yeah. the supplier of of the yeah. corn. Yeah. Bags, like the, it's not simple, right? I'm guessing no. to. Okay. Well, so we had to get the art. And so fortunately, one of, um, one of my friends had an artist um, who does packaged food designs. And he's very talented. He actually lives in Scotland. And so we came up with the vision for like the brand identity that we wanted. The sort of like very Mediterranean, like elegant, beachy vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and so he took our idea and put it into practice and did a very excellent job. Does, does anyone watch this over video, by the way? Uh, no, generally, j just okay. audio, just audio. That's fine. So I'm not going to show it. I'll show you. Um, and so this was, you know, the result, which... I um, Yeah, I've seen it on the website as well. So yeah. it, it, it's like a deck chair design, basic kind yeah, of, a, yeah, elegant. A luxury beach towel. Yeah, yeah. like a little monogram thing. Um, Love it. So, yeah he did the art and then we had to go find a bag supplier right so it's like you have to find everything like you're doing it by yourself you have to you have to do all of the things so we had to go find people to make bags fortunately i found a bag company based at like 35 minutes from where i live in like near philadelphia mm -hmm. um and so <clears throat> we, <clears throat> we we found him we got the artwork we talked we figured out the bag size that we wanted we tested the material thickness whatever we figured out the bags then we had the bags we had our um ingredients and of course we have to go make them yes yeah. <laughs> next thing it's not like okay who's got the kitchen like that's uh yeah let's render down some some beef fat let's get the yeah. like <laughs> exactly how you did you find you the do that at home yeah um <laughs> legally speaking too you're like right like, in new jersey where i live you're actually allowed to make food out of your home below a certain quantity i think below a certain dollar amount and sell it but you can't ship it across state lines Hmm. So that's called the cottage food law. Um, All right. Which is pretty cool. So it means like if you want to make like brownies or something, like cookies and sell them at a farmer's market, you don't really need any sort of business. Okay. You can just make them in your mom's basement or proverbially speaking, and then just like bring them to the farmer's market. Um anyway, so we found a kitchen after that was another tough challenge, finding kitchens that are certified to like allow people to make food and then you know that are also close by that also had space available and whatever so found a kitchen and then just <clears throat> started making them um 
and you know other other there are other details we can talk about this forever where'd you get the teller uh it's how i found a, a i found a guy online um he runs like a little boutique that does um 100 grass-fed tallow so they, they source it domestically from a few different farms right yeah i love the ingredients list there organic corn 100 grass-fed beef tallow and sea salt yeah so, and the sea salt is just... sea salt is uh is actually redmond's real salt so i know some people have heard of this they're familiar with that okay um, it, it comes from utah um it's like underground sea salt so it's like it was sea salt before the current seas were around it's like oh, it's okay. like a million years old or something so there's no microplastics in it because it's like was underground before plastics were invented well, you've got you've got a high-end product here then yeah yeah it's it's like you just turn the dial up on every ingredient as far as it'll go and that's what we have <laughs> all right so c can you give us the crunch oh Oh, a sample of the crunch. Yeah, uh, the, the uh, you call it the ancient crunch, don't you? Have you got a bag there you can rip open? Oh, and... oh so ancient crunch is just the name of the company. That's the name of the company, right? That's right. called Masa chips. So Masa chips. So the the product is called Masa traditional tortilla chips. M A S A. What? Why Masa? What's the? So the significance of Masa is that when you make um, tortillas, which is yeah, so the process to make tortillas, you take your corn. Mm -hmm. and you boil it with limestone um limestone which seems kind like, of weird right seems weird right, right. Uh, it's like an, it's like a naturally occurring rock right it's yep. like sand or whatever but the lime which i think is is that sodium the limestone the reason you do this is for the sodium hydroxide i uh -huh. think that you end up getting um and so that breaks down the very tough cellulose that forms the kernel of the corn and so okay. if you ever eaten corn in the cob and like looked in the toilet the next day, you'll notice <laughs> corn kernels. You, you'll notice you've got corn on the cob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so like, this is a good example. This is exactly what I was saying earlier about how like traditional processes that make like grains more digestible. Mm -hmm. So the, that cellulose in corn passes through you undigested. Um, there are other, a few other nutritional things. Like if you eat like plain corn, uh, the vitamin B1 is suppressed by some other anti-nutrient or something else. There are also a lot of mycotoxins um, present in corn, like toxins from fungus that just grow on the drying corn and the grain silos and whatever, um, and a few other things. So this process boiling the corn with the limestone, um, which was invented by the Aztecs at least 3000 years ago, possibly earlier. Um, so, so are you guys doing this in the kitchen or do you, you, you just send all the ingredients to the kitchen and they do it? Oh, so we actually don't do that mixtalization process. We get um, the tortillas. Uh, we, maybe one day we'll do that. Mm -hmm. um, but we get the tortillas that have already been done. So we have a, a mixtalization specialist, basically. Okay. That's and and you're saying mixtalization or mixtalization? Mixtalization. N-I-X-T. Mixed. N-I-X-T. Yeah. Uh, you might not be able to see this backwards. Um, yeah, I'll look on the website. A-M-E. A L I Z E D mixtamalization. It's like an Aztec. It's an Aztec word. Okay. And what does that actually mean then? So that's that's the term for the process of boiling the corn in limestone, getting rid of the cellulose, activating other vitamins, um, and the resulting product. I believe is called mixtamol or something. It's just mm. like it's the corn that's undergone this process. And so that what you end up with is corn that's wet 
that you can then grind up into a dough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that dough is then flattened out in kind of circles, and that's what a tortilla is. Okay. Yeah. So then then they so need tor- frying. So that yeah. goes down in the kitchen. Yeah. So then we we got our fryer. It's a we we you know, our virgin fryers never touched anything but tallow. And you guys, um, you guys, you've you've got you've got the the tortillas there, and you're you've got a deep fat fryer or something. Yeah, we make it by hand. Yeah, we do it by <laughs> the old fashioned way. Yeah, we do it by hand. Love um, it. Yeah, and then we pack them. You know, like within twenty minutes after they come out, they're packed and sealed in the bags. Salted, packed and sealed in the bags, and then that's what we have. So you just throw a pinch of salt in there, give them a quick shake, seal them up, and into a yeah. box and. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we see, we also have um, the reason why these have a longer shelf life. We don't use any preservatives, of course. Um, but the bags are actually filled with nitrogen, which is very common in snack foods because nitrogen is mm. chemically inert. So it's like filling it with argon gas or something. Um, so oxygen is the thing that, and the water vapor is the thing that degrades food and allows mm-hmm. bacteria to grow um, and allows mold to grow and make could make it stale. Um, so by putting in nitrogen, you get rid of all the oxygen. And so it preserves it um, without, you know. How do you guys do that? You got a little. Oh, there's a device. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole machine we had to get. We had to learn how to do all that and all this stuff. Man, this is awesome. You must have been like loving this whole process. Yeah. Really, the, really get the shit you've dirty. learned. Yeah, you really get your hands dirty, right? Like, uh, so, and it's crazy. Like, I've learned more about this over the past so many months, and people, um, People don't, most foods that you buy are not made by people who are no. actually making it. No, it's just a factory line. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it, the, the raw ingredients comes in, yeah. which is shit. Yeah. It gets put into a machine by another yeah. machine. Yeah. And no then it gets wrapped. And the only human hand that touches it is the guy that picks up the ready packed box to put yeah. into the, the lorry and, and drive away. Yeah. And, and in particular, what, what I mean is that like, not only does that process happen, it pro it happens completely outside the purview of the people who are responsible for the company. So at the very least, like there are very few brands that I know that like have their own factory. And at least it's like their people are in the factory with their ingredients and their packaging and their recipe and they watch it happen and they sell it. Like at the very least, like, yeah, scale, I get it. You, you respect that. But most brands the people who are actually making it are somewhere else entirely mm. in some other state, maybe in some other country. And you like, you don't even see it. You don't see what's happening. <clears throat> you don't know if they mix up your ingredient with someone else's ingredient. You don't know if they slipped in a jug of canola oil when the fryer got low or something. You have no idea. And it's crazy to me. Um, like learning this, like how few, um, how few products are actually made by the hands of, or even like under the supervision of the people who are responsible for selling it. So are you able to rip open a bag and give us a crunch or not? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, you're making me hungry. These. This will be you. Oh, clean rip. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> clean rip. Oh, they smell so good. Oh, mate. I'm imagining those. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure they're delicious just like that, but to have some kind of uh, ground beef, guacamole, chopped jalapenos on there, like they must just be the best. It makes life so much better and so much easier. Like, 
one of the hardest parts, excuse me. Go for it. No, we're loving a crunch. Oh man, so good. It never gets old too. <laughs> one of the hardest parts, generally speaking, we you know, full circle talk about people trying to cook, be healthy, whatever. You can't eat out. Mm. So you gotta cook for yourself. Yeah. One of the hardest parts about cooking, in my professional opinion, is cooking the carbs that you're gonna eat. Right. You know, meat is easy. Throw it on the grill, duck, or you have prosciutto, Iberian ham, whatever. Yep. Some high quality cold cuts. Um very easy. The meat's easy. The carbs are hard. You got to boil the potatoes and you got to peel the potatoes, wash them, peel them, boil them, butter, salt, whatever, stir them up, mash them up, or you got to chop and slice them up and then put them in the oven and roast them or mm -hmm. whatever. You got to boil the rice, you know, you got to prevent it from sticking the bottom of the pan, all this stuff. Bread, Jesus. Well, I mean, you live in France, so bread's easy for you. Mm -hmm. For Americans, it's not easy. No. Um, I've made bread myself. I used to do that in college. Like making bread is so challenging. And so like your carb is like this very work intensive thing. And also the vegetables usually pretty work intensive. So like having the carb for the meal, that's just easy. It just exists. <clears throat> I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is put these on a plate or, you know, my girlfriend can put them on a plate, sprinkle shredded cheese on it, fry up some ground beef. Maybe we'll get a little lime juice or something, fresh nice. squeezed lime, some salt, put it in the broiler. You know, the cheese melts and now I have like nachos for lunch and it's like, it's so easy. Or if I go on the road, right. I don't yep. need to keep a cooler with me or a refrigerator or whatever. I just need, I just bring this, you know, I can eat with some cheese. It makes life so easy. Man, I'm hungry. Uh, all right. Now the, the, the cool thing about this is you reached out to me after you had these produced and you wanted to uh, know how to accept Bitcoin mm. on your online shop. And a big, mm. big shout out to uh, Paul ADW that helped you out. Uh, and I think uh, it was Hodler Than Thou that was, uh, you know, helping me find the right person to get this done. So a big shout out to those Bitcoin plebs. So you now can order these amazing Massa traditional tortilla chips and you can ship them anywhere, right? And we can um, pay you with Bitcoin. Yeah. You use yeah. BTC Pay Server, right? I think Paul helped you no, out. We use Open Node. Okay. All right. So no Coinbase involved. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Open Node was great. I mean, I, I it was annoying their whole like KYC process, but whatever is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. But once that happened, um, it was it was very easy, very straightforward, great experience. So you can ship worldwide or you're just at the um, moment constrained to well, certain areas in 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 two weeks say i will be able to accept orders from at least anywhere in europe canada and mexico um mm -hmm. without reservation but for now we're still sort of ironing out the the testing of that um like dealing with customs i'm, I'm actually talking to our international shipping taxes and duties people later today uh, they, they have a plugin for a Shopify store that purports to be able to collect those taxes and stuff. And the hard part about international shipping is not actually the shipping, it's the taxes. Hmm. Um, so what happens is I can just put <clears throat> stuff in a box, slap a UPS label on it, and yeah, it'll be expensive. Um, I think shipping from like a box of Masa chips, it's, it's not cheap, shipping a box of Masa chips from here to 
it's like France. Um, I think it's gonna be like 50 or 60 bucks hmm. for like the, the UPS <clears throat> thing. And DHL is even more expensive. Um, but then on top of that, when it arrives, then the country may impose some arbitrary amount of duties and import taxes yep. on the package itself. And the problem is they don't know what they're going to charge until the package shows up and they mm -hmm. just like, I guess, decide how they're feeling that day. Like literally, Play you can't world. predict it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't just ask the French customs officials ahead of time, no. hey, I'm going to send a box of chips. That's this much value. Like what are the taxes? You can't do that. So the point is, once it arrives at customs, then UPS figures out how much the duties are. And it either shows up to your door and then asks you for the money to pay the duties before giving you your package. Or um, they can charge us, the vendor, directly. Um, and that's something that we get to decide when we print the label. Um, so if we're going to do that, then we're going to pay the taxes. And we need to know, approximate how much they're going to cost ahead of time. So we can collect that from the customer at checkout. And that's currently the process that we're trying to solve or the problem we're trying to solve. If there are any plebs out there at the moment listening to this European country based and they're like lit up by the idea of having these amazing massive chips, is there an opportunity where they could be kind of a, a distributor for you and they could just like do oh, one? Oh, sure. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. So I, I don't, if you know of them, if you know of anyone who's distributors of health food stores that want to stock it, like we, we'd certainly be able to ship wholesale um, mm -hmm. to that stockist or whatever they're called in um, whichever country. Um, and, and those people can then resell them. I mean, obviously we have to, a lot of details to work out for that, uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're definitely open to doing that. It would make it life so much easier because like shipping like for $50 shipping for like it's like twice the cost. It's like just the cost of the chips just yeah, to ship it. it. It's, it's ridiculous. So if we could get a whole, um, a whole case or a whole crate or somehow, mm. um, over there, I, I don't know, like, cause then there are like importation restrictions and then that person has to figure out all that stuff based on their country. If like you order a certain amount of certain types of things and because there is beef fat in them, like some governments may interpret that to be meat. The U S government actually doesn't interpret it to be meat. There's a specific rule that says if a product contains only the rendered animal fat, AKA tallow or lard or something, and that fat makes up less than 30% of the weight of the product, then it's not a meat product. How the fuck do these people like legitimize that? Like it's so yeah. retarded. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, somebody's actually drawn that rule up and it's yeah. unbelievable. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's honestly it's to, to our benefit. Like if we didn't have that rule, and anything that comes from an animal was considered a meat product, then mm. this would have to be made in the USDA inspected facility. Um, but which, a shoe, would that be a meat product? Like, you know, like, well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure they have a separate rule for animals, yes, yeah. right? Leather, yeah. so yeah. But the thing is, because it's like it comes from the animal fat, right? So, I'm I, it's an annoying rule, it's annoying that we even have this, right? Obviously, mm. but that rule is very helpful. Um, because it allows us to do this. And if we had to... But that depends um, on the receiving country. It might, might be completely different. So yeah, different. I don't know what the receiving country... So far, right. I mean, you know, at any customs official ever that just sees chips, it's like, oh, it's chips. Okay, whatever. Yeah, we fingers crossed. Here. Like, yeah, yeah, marginal cost is what? Very, very minimal. Right. But if someone tries to look into it and it's like some customs official, you know, thinks that some self-important customs official tries to look too close and they say beef tallow... Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know, I imagine 
other countries have similar rules, but I don't know. Point is, if someone wants to work with us um, on doing all that stuff and, and helping us to be our importer and like can deal with all that or knows, you know, someone who will be able, be able to deal with that. Then I'm sure someone listening has some kind of contact or might be even interested in throwing in their fiat job and trying to, you know, import these things yeah. and then sell them around Europe. I, I don't know. Yeah. So if, yeah. if so, where should they reach you? Just straighten your DMs or is there an email? Uh, you can uh, you can email hello at masterchips.com. Okay, easy. Yeah. Hello easy. at M-A-S-A chips. C-H, yeah, chips.com. Cool. Very cool. easy. All right. Well, one, one last thing before we... Uh, you know, close this down. Just one thing that from our last conversation that we had, somebody mm. reached out to me totally out of the blue. I said, fuck, that episode blew my mind. And I've just realized what the hell is up with my profession. I'm like, oh yeah, what's that? It's like, I'm a vet. Okay. Veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All these animals are sick because yeah. they're eating seed oils oh yeah in their food yeah and he's been down a rabbit hole he's like he found out like the biggest pet food owner in the united states is mars inc makes sense so all and all the vets are taught what food to push yeah onto the unsuspecting owners of those animals that love those animals yeah and in the end make the animals sick so that oh, the yeah. animals keep having to come back to get the pharmaceutical products to keep the animals just barely alive yeah and then never live in their best life oh, yeah and people who are like even themselves healthy like i tweeted about this the other day actually i was like why why do people think that like just because it's an animal we can feed it just like toxic trash mm -hmm. like oh it's dog food like anything dogs eat people should be able to eat and vice mm -hmm. versa like well for dogs maybe for cat yeah actually like we can eat raw meat you must eat raw meat i mean mm -hmm. Whether it's pleasant to do so is a different question, but I just, I never understood why there's like this entire category of food that's just is like garbage, toxic garbage in it that we're like, oh, but it's for the dogs. Like dogs are adapted to eat like your chemistry experiment. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's terrible. It's I don't have any pets, but if I did, it would be the raw meat diet all the way. <laughs> way more natural yeah. than the kibble or the, uh, the dried, it's basically pouring out a bowl of cereal each morning and each night for your dog. <laughs> Yeah, well, worse actually. Like the ingredients in cereal, it's better than it yep. is for the pet food. Yeah, and then people are like, oh, my dog's fur is yep. like not so shiny, or they shed, mm -hmm. or they smell bad. Dogs smell bad, right? Yeah, like bad gas. They sit, they're just yeah. farting. They stink. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta feed. Well, ideally, what I would do is I would feed my dogs like live animals that they would then like, like I would buy like rodents or like you know small pheasants or something and like toss it into the dog pen and they would like kill it and eat it that would be ideal i don't think that's very practical given you know, various <laughs> constraints of the modern day life probably that's not probably, yeah it's probably what i would want to do but yeah at the very least like the the raw meat diet is for sure um absolutely necessary but your local for, butcher has got so many off cuts yeah and raw bones like you can pick up for like you'll probably give them to you Especially if he loves your yeah. dog. 
if you yeah. shop there each day and he just sees the dog each day and yeah, just going to waste. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is some nuance with this. Like you people should look this up. There's a lot actually. There's there's a there's a pretty big raw pet food community or whatever. Um, the ratios of like certain proteins and like organ meats to other organ meats, and like you can you have to put a certain amount of bone powder like in a ratio with the meat and like the like cats don't eat a ton of fat. I like cats need a lot of taurine, like certain types of things like this that get a little complicated. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Way, 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 like uh, insurmountably better. Like, like even my sister, um, no offense to her, like she has cats, like she does like a similar sort of thing. Like she feeds them fish oil. Mm. Like what cats are eating fish oil? Like, like, dude, maybe some cats eat fish, but it's like, these are war. These are descended from like Egyptian, like house cats, like warm weather animals. They're not eating cold water fish which are high in omega-3s, like that just, that gives cats Alzheimer's, right? It gives people Alzheimer's. <laughs> Holy shit, mate. There's, there's so yeah. much wrong with our yeah. industrial food complex. Um, yeah. I usually end each episode and ask somebody, if you had one last orange pill left to give, who'd you give it to and why? And the idea being, you know, if you orange pill someone, you turn them onto the idea of Bitcoin and then they right. understand Bitcoin and, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin you've gone. I know you've you flirted. I own some Bitcoin. I own some Bitcoin. I I I have consolidated around. I think this might have been right before we did the last podcast. I Mm. had just been holding a bunch of random shit coins for no reason back from like a year before when I said I was like sort of into like trading this stuff, and so I converted it all into Bitcoin. And so at this point, I only hold Bitcoin. so yeah there's that that's happened but oh if i had to convince someone i i i am not i i would be lying if i said i'm part of the whole bitcoin like lifestyle mm-hmm. though i it's 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 not it encapsulated me so much um, there you go that that's coinbase they want to know why you uh why you're not trading <laughs> basically basically yeah. um if I had to give anyone, is this like someone I know, or is this like a, a hypothetical? Like, oh, is it just a hypothetical? Uh, I tell you what, let's switch it up. If you could, uh, if you could give anybody the um, the seed pill, the seed oil pill, who would oh. you give it to, and why? Oh, interesting. So they get your full knowledge of how bad seed oils are for us all, and they're going to go and impart that with. That's a very good question. I think I would want this to be someone with like a wide degree of influence and competence. I think Peter Thiel probably. I think he'd be a good person to right. become woke on seed oils. Yeah. Um, if he's not already, which he might be. Um, I've been trying to get him to to try these chips. Speaking of which, if any of if any of your listeners know him, somehow, yeah, and I can. You you want to swag bomb Peter Thiel some some massive <laughs> corn chips? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Basically. <laughs> yeah, because like he he invests in a lot of like avant-garde startups that are like you know revolutionary in this sort of way mm-hmm. I, i'm not even talking about the whole investing thing we, we, but like i think having that sort of like the seed oil movement having that sort of backing um would help a lot of people because like i mean it's a, it's a huge challenge right like the part of the difficulty i think of the seed oil movement so to speak it's like presenting people, ordinary people who are listening to this with a very big problem, which is that like, hey, all the food you're eating is toxic. Yeah. People don't want to hear that they have a problem, especially a problem of that magnitude. And especially when that problem is accompanied or is not accompanied with a solution. Mm-hmm. 
if you can tell people they have a problem and then you can also tell them here's the solution there, not only do you help them, you also have a business. Yep. <laughs> but if you just tell people, Hey, you have a problem and you don't give them a solution, then they will just argue with you and pretend that the problem doesn't exist. So we the fight the same that- battles, you know, it, it, like yeah, it, we, we face people. It's like, yeah, by the way, the money is broken and everything's a lie. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, get away from me, you crazy motherfucker. And you're right. saying, by the way, the food is broken and everything's a lie. Yeah. But then you've got to come forward with, oh, well, Options actually, we have this this massive chips. And yeah. We're, we're like, yeah, there's this network called Bitcoin. Have you heard of it? Because this is something completely yeah. different. This is a parallel structure. This is built by the people for the people. Same with what you guys are doing. I love it. Right. Yeah. Like the, the money thing is great. Like probably 10, 15 years ago, if you were one of these like, like Keynesian um, economics activists, which, you know, float around from time to time, you'd have a hard time finding anyone to talk to you. But now you can have the same opinions and talk about the problems of the monetary system, but then you can say like, oh, hey, by the way, Bitcoin exists. Yeah. And so it makes people more receptive to your message. So and it's not just about like, you know, moss chips. It could be any, like there just need to be solutions for people uh, to be able to accept the problems of the food system so that they can then, you know, understand and then implement them. But if you say, hey, everything you're eating is poison and you don't give them any alternatives and you say very something, un- even something very unhelpful, like, oh, cook for yourself. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to cook for themselves. Like as unfortunate as it may be and as much as they should, they don't have the time right now and they're not going to immediately find the time. So therefore that doesn't help them. You need to say like, oh, here are these things you can do. Yeah. Um, and this is one of them. There are not very many shockingly and i hope that there are more in the future so are you guys looking to raise or not um if if anyone's an investor they can reach out to us i mean we're not formally um Mm -hmm. we're not formally or at least formally and publicly like doing so but uh we i'm always open to talking to people that may be interested in working with us you're gonna take uh, investments in bitcoin if they come your way (laughs) well we'll talk about that yeah i don't know how my lawyers will uh will will take to that but i mean you know i'm open to it i'm not philosophically opposed excellent brother well listen mate it's been great to to have you back on and get the update and everything you've doing congrats on the entrepreneurial spirit and i love the the rags to riches story bunch of dudes hanging out hungover after their new year's eve party and built a business on the back of it because you see something wrong you wanted something better and here it is you 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 did it and hats off to that that's that's taking action self-ownership and uh, i really really love to see it so you know kudos man really well done thank you appreciate it great thank you for having me out again this has been great yeah and i can't wait for these i can't wait for these uh chips to turn up i'll I'll be uh, all up in your dms i'll um you'll get your track i'll send you a tracking number and yeah let me know let me know when you try them i'm excited here all right brother take care take care bye well guys there he was the tan man back you can head to www.massachips.com that's M-A-S-A, chips.com forward slash bitten for your 10% discount on the Really Tan Man's perfectly, perfectly deep fried in beef tallow, grass-fed beef tallow, and uh, sprinkled with organic salt tortilla chips. I'm looking at the packs he sent over. We've had them. Everybody loves them. We had them with... Uh, 
with the chili con carne the other day with the uh, the avocados and the uh, the sour cream guacamole chopped tomatoes onions ah oh, guys you got to try these chips and if anybody in europe can help the tan man out he's having an absolute nightmare with shipping out of the u.s because we're getting fucked so hard by bureaucrats again just trying to send each other the goods and that we've, we've made and we want to buy it's just becoming a joke so bitcoin plebs solve please solve the mailing and customs issues that all of these companies and entrepreneurs are currently facing if you can of course reach out to tanman on twitter and uh say hi if you've got anything you want to run past him i'm sure he'll be very very open to discussing anything that we've already discussed or anything that you would like to uh, follow up with him uh, thanks for coming on man really appreciate it well done very very excellent work and congratulations on the massive chips uh, right before we sign off uh, stack some sats guys swan bitcoin coin corner relay you know where to go now they are the services that are going to help you stack relay have some big announcements coming up so if you're not already downloaded on the app there just download the app look out for what's going to come it takes seconds it really does there's nothing to lose um, try out a coin join if you're coin join curious i've certainly been pulled down for that rabbit hole i've been messing around with the wasabi wallet.io i can recommend it it's very easy to use and if it piques your interest and it starts you off on your own little journey of self-discovery then why not dip your toes in Coin join a few sats, see how you feel, see if it's something you want to delve deeper into. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten have the Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only edition hardware wallet, signing device, call it whatever you want, just get one so you are not keeping your coins with anybody else. Take control. Orange Bill app. We'll leave that there. Get to a conference, Liberty in our lifetime. Pacific Bitcoin, again, the links are in the show notes and my link tree is now in the show notes. So I've started putting all of it because it was too many to keep up with. There is a link tree where you can walk through every single discount that you will ever be able to find that has been offered to me to put forward to you listeners. And that includes like non-Bitcoin companies like Massa Chips or like Love Homeswap. You'll get 25% discount on a Love Home Swap membership. And if you're already a member and downloaded a Satsback account, which takes seconds again, uh, that should activate when you go to pay for that and you'll get sats, sats back on that membership. And you list your home or your vacation home and then you can start swapping with other people around the world. It's an excellent service, been using it since 2014, used extensively. We traveled the world for two and a half years with that website and uh, we've completed well over 70, 80 swaps at this point. In fact, we're home swapping to get to Amsterdam conference and to get to the Prague conference and to get to a Bedford and Silverstone uh, next weekend. It works. 100% it works. Uh, Consensus Network, they've got books for you. Go and check them out. You can pay in Lightning, excuse me, pay in Bitcoin over the Lightning Network for a 10% discount. Use code BITTEN for a further 10% off. Books in many different languages and ungovernable misfits have got some great street wear for you. If you don't have any merch yet, Bitcoin merch, break your duck. 
Get over to Ungovernable Misfits, see if there's anything you like. Use the code BITTEN at checkout for 10% off. I've gone way over the music. I'll catch you guys at one of these conferences, and I look forward to hanging out and getting to know each of you in person. Come up and say hi. Tap me on the shoulder. We should be easy to find. I'll be there with my wife and kids. I'll be hanging out at the Consensus Network booth at some stage. Um, So, yeah, come say hi. Take care. Look forward to the next show.